Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. Hey, thank you. <laughs> uh, so many times I thought of changing that into something more spiritual, like a quoting scripture, and you're responding me back, and you'll say, no, that is so churchy, that is so tacky. Do the Dennis thing, do the Dennis thing. Good morning, church. Good morning, Dennis. All right. So uh, as we started, I'm, I thought I'm finishing this series. I just learned that he's going to finish finish this series after I finish it, so which is fine. But when we just started doing this series, something's wrong with my mic? Yes, okay. Sorry. Oh, you perfectionists. <clears throat> so when we just uh, discussed this series first, and Neil, we started discussing the name, the title for, for the series, and Neil came up with this title, Embracing God's Embrace. And I first thought, like, it's kind of, kind of bulky, but I'm so glad he actually came up with this because this is really, if you just remember the title of this, of this series and meditate on that and try to see it in the scripture, you will understand the secret of Christian life. This is the secret of Christian life. Embracing God's embrace. You got to see the God's embrace and you got to embrace it. You got to be intentional about it. You know, uh, some of you who have never heard me before, you probably detect a little accent or maybe not so little sometimes. I, I come from another part of the world, and I've been always fascinated with languages, with like the language encapsulates so many pieces of wisdom that has accumulated over the centuries. And when, when I began to learn how to speak English, English is not my native language, I began to be fascinated with the English expressions and puns and colloquialisms, and I love those expressions like, no pain, no gain. <laughs> or here's another one, fake it till you make it. I mean... It makes a lot of sense, and often that's the case, actually. You come to something new, you, you, you're, you're like immersed into a new environment. There's a new set of skills that you need to acquire, and everybody already has it, and you don't. So you have to like act confidently, like you know what you're doing, but you know you don't. But you kind of, yeah, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. It works in many areas of life. Fake it till you make it. But in certain areas of life, it doesn't. Like my sister, he is, she's a professional instructor of swimming, correct? Well, if I come to a swimming pool on a deep side and try to fake it till I make it, <laughs> it's not going to fly well. Let me tell you something. This principle is totally non-applicable in your relationship with God. And that's basically what I'm going to talk to you about today. The Bible declares, and Neil spoke of it last time, that we can actually have an experiential knowledge of God. And we can grow in this knowledge. This knowledge can increase. And that's what we're, what, that's what we're pressing for, uh, for this year, for this church, individually and corporately. So this knowledge of God comes into a person's life as a result of believing the gospel. The Bible declares that a Christian, as he begins to know God, begins to undergo a profound change. His very being, his heart, his attitudes, his mindset is, is undergoing a profound change. We, we know changes, how changes happen in life. 
how do you change yourself? How do you learn new set of skills? How do you get rid of certain habits and replace them with other habits? It's, it's done by intentional efforts, by some plans, by measurable actions, by incremental changes, right? The Bible speaks of a different kind of change. The Bible speaks of a transformation. It's beyond that. It's different. It, it, it's a change that takes place at the very core of your being and changes your, uh, your, your, your nature. So, biblical transformation, that's, that is repentance. Basically, the, the biblical change, transformation begins with repentance. All of you know the word repentance, right? All of, it, all of you probably have a certain connotation in your mind attached to the word repentance that has something to do with religious activities like prayer and shedding tears and doing this and not doing that. Hey, listen, repentance, the basic meaning of repentance in the Greek language, that's the language that the New Testament is written in, is change of mind. You, you change your mind. I'm, I'm not going to let you lose me or I'm not going to let myself use you, okay? So... Let me tell you something. Before the revelation of the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is the person of Christ, his death and his resurrection, and what it means to you and me. So before the resurrection, before the revelation of the gospel came to mankind, people viewed God mainly as a judge who is ready to punish every fault and every sin in humans. In this, they saw themselves as sinners in need to be saved from this God, from His judgment and from His punishment. And they constantly looked for ways to appease Him and to deflect His anger. Don't you, would you agree with that? Most of religions do that, even including the religion of the Old Testament. You constantly look for the ways to appease God because God is always finding faults in you. God is always seeing your, your, your fault, your flaws, your sins, your ungodliness, and it's, it creates a problem between you and God. But the gospel that Paul and his close co-workers preached presents God not as a stern judge, but as a loving father who longs to embrace his children. This is the message of the gospel, God's embrace, an expression of God's love. We finally come to know who God truly is only in the gospel, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? How does the love of God look? How does it look? It looks like an embrace. How does this embrace look? It looks like a bloody cross. It looks like tremendous pain, emotional, physical, spiritual, deliberately taken upon Jesus on behalf of us. God's embrace. And I'm not trying to get you sentimental. I want you to see that the last time I spoke, I shared about five languages of love. Remember? I remember those languages. How we people express our love and understand our love. And sometimes... Uh, there is a problem because we speak different languages of love. And I told you that God speaks languages of love, all languages of love, fluently. But His main language of love is the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to read you a scripture that declares that boldly. Romans 5, 8. Listen to this. 
But God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. He demonstrates his love. If you want to know how do you, how do you love us, Lord, the Lord shows you the cross of Christ. Embracing God's embrace is believing receiving, accepting, appropriating everything that the death and the resur resurrection of Jesus entails and calls for. <laughs> I love when there is a silent moment and I don't know whether I'm doing a bad job or a good job. So, am I doing okay job? Are you hearing? Oh, good. I need some encouragement from you every once in a while, but not too much. Okay. One time I was preaching in the church and I was in the middle of my like developing this thought and this lady goes, preach it brother! And I lost my whole sermon. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. So, so this is the goal that I set for myself as a Christian. I don't want to know all the different aspects of the biblical knowledge. I don't want to study all possible theologies. I don't want to know all the theories of redemption. I want to explore unsearchable reaches of Christ. And I want to find them and I want to be found in them and I want to bring the same to you. And I believe that Neil and I both are, we are on the same page. It's amazing actually guys. I became a Christian in 1992. I began to understand the, guy, the gospel in 2012 in Russia, back in Russia. In 2014 I moved here and I was... I'm telling you, when you begin to understand the reality of the gospel, how radical the gospel is, it's like being born again, again. Seriously. And the cool thing about it, when you're born again, whatever you refer to as your born, born again experience, usually it's a nice period of time when it's so sweet and you're like floating uh, above the ground, but it fades away and you have no idea how to bring it back. When you're born again, again, when you discover what the gospel is, it doesn't fade out. It stays with you. It takes few seconds, few minutes to meditate on the love of God manifested on, on the cross of Christ and you're filled with the Spirit of God. Embracing God's embrace. That's the secret of Christian life. So that happened to me around 2012. Although I've been Christian for years before that. The same thing happened to Neil about 2012. I mean in a very dramatic way that God used to bring him and kind of shift his attention to the gospel again and when I came to the States we met and immediately we clicked and I was shocked like God united us here in the same effort of rediscovering the gospel and bringing it to the people of God all right this is so cool guys he I mean I live in Northridge I I five minutes away from this church now I'm about to get like involved in the full-time ministry of this church this is amazing so so gospel is a scandalous, scandalous good news. In fact, Paul says it's a scandalous news. There is a Greek word actually called scandalon. That means it's really hard to receive because it's too much. We try to turn the gospel into another normative religion that makes sense. But the gospel is beyond making sense. It's crazy. So you either stumbled... You're either offended by the gospel or you're becoming crazy yourself. You're full of joy. 
Why? Because God declares you innocent. God declares you justified. God declares you his own child. And he puts his spirit in you. And the spirit makes God real to you. Not as a supreme deity that rules the world. But as your loving daddy. That's what the spirit of God does. The spirit of God comes inside of you but not as it did in the old testament times when he turned regular people into prophets of god who will point out to your sin that's not what the spirit of god is doing in the new testament the spirit of god brings the life of god to for you to be born of this life so that you become a genuine child of god that's the gospel that's the best thing that can hap happen to anyone at any time living in any part of the world, in any culture. Russian, American, Japanese, Indian, I don't care. You have to receive God as a loving Father. And you can do it when you receive Jesus. Embracing God's embrace is to receive Jesus in all that He has done for us. And truly receive it. All right. All right. I am preaching it. Thank you. Thank you for being delicate with this. So let me read the scripture to you that kind of encapsulates what I just told you about. Romans 8.15. That's the, like a nutshell what happens when somebody receives God's embrace, the gospel. Romans 8.15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. It does not. You know what Paul refers to? He refers to the Old Testament religion based on the law. He says, it does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, instead of it, the spirit you received about, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? I told you many times. Neil told you many times. It's a, it's a specific Hebrew word that Paul actually inserted in the middle of the Greek text. So this whole thing is written originally in Greek. So you read Greek and all of a sudden you stumble over this word Abba that you don't understand what it means unless you check with a dictionary or with a Jewish person who knows how to speak Hebrew. He said, blah, 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 oh, Abba, what is this thing? He said, oh, that's the word that little children use when they cry out to their dad, it's daddy. So here's the core uh, message of the new, I mean, of the gospel. It's making you a child of God who is fully able to call God daddy. God is your daddy if you receive Jesus. You receive sonship. And it gets into the very core of your being. That's the spirit of God. It says the spirit of God testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. Rob, you're a child of God. I don't care how you can look at me, but you're a child of I'm just kidding. <laughs> you see, oh man, and this inner reality begins to work in us. And it begins to produce these changes from within out. It's not incremental tweaking and adjustment and uh, 
setting up certain goals and eradicating certain habits and replacing them with other habits. It's enjoying. It's embracing God's embrace and learning to live in this reality. Every single day you open up and you say, Lord, I, I begin this life again. I'm born again again today because of your love, because you're my daddy, because I'm declared innocent. My sins are forgiven. You look at me and you declare me righteous, fully fit to God's move on this earth. Hey, isn't that cool? That is amazing. Oh, I'm preaching myself happy today. I'm so glad. Oh, this is the reality. You become a recipient of God's love, God's love. And this love is the power that will transform us from within. As we begin, listen to this, to receive this love, this unconditional love. Here's the key word, unconditionally. A lot of Christians don't have this experience in their life. And there is a reason for that. One reason is actually... The gospel is not preached. I'm sorry I might offend some of you, but I'm telling you, I have moved, after I begin to rediscover what the gospel is, I have moved to the United States of America, and I've been coming to the States for years, and I love this country. This is my new home, and I love this home. I don't want to go back to Russia. There are too many Russians there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I moved here and it's very religious. There's like, there's a church in every corner, sometimes literally. I know a couple of places in Springfield, when you get to the intersection and there are four churches there. <laughs> and you would think, oh, so much gospel. No gospel. Very little gospel. Sometimes gospel is preached when they do special meetings for sinners. Hey, we need the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. Why, why did I even bring it? I, I lost the tra train of my thoughts. Yeah, well, anyway, I'll, I'll get, I'll remember what I was going to say. So, the Old Testament commanded the people of God to love God. That was the commandment. And the history of Israel is a proof that it was not possible just to put yourself together and love God. And the New Testament tells, hey, guys, you want to love God? Here's how you do it. You receive God's love for you. And then you begin naturally grow, grow in this love for God. Oh, I know what I was talking about. Unconditional. That's the key word for me. The New Testament reveals that the way to love God is to receive His love. And this love, you know, the first John says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us first. So that's how it works. You always, and I, I've spoken on that before, and you've spoken on that before. But let me tell you something. Unfortunately, there is a disconnect. That's what I was, now I remember, yeah. Four churches on an intersection, right? Church on every corner. Very little gospel preach. That's one reason why there is a disconnect. Why this beautiful process that I just described does not often happen. Or happens a little bit and often disrupted. Many churches... Preach a mixed message, truncated gospel that I wouldn't even call the gospel. They, they mix things that are not to be mixed. They, they, they bring to you this hodgepodge of grace and law mixed up. And you, you know what happens when you mix grace and law? Grace is gone. When you add a little bit of your effort to God's embrace, when you're trying to 
there's no embrace of God anymore there's just you and your efforts bleach and ammonia remember that message I preached once you don't mix bleach and ammonia it, it, it becomes a very bad that's one reason but you would say Dennis we are so lucky we're in this church we hear the gospel on the regular news and I want to hear amen to that we preach the gospel here we try our best to explore to understand to present to you the gospel Neil and I both we read the books with the authors that really stress this and we we keep talking to each other we say we should never depart from that we should never deviate from that every time we preach here there should be word of the gospel but here's the thing it's it's not enough to be at the church where the gospel is presented what it does there's a one key element that is missing and I'm going to point your attention to that and if it's not taken care of all the hearing and listening about wonderful words about the love of God is going to increase your knowledge about it but there's going to be still very little experience of that and in fact this knowledge can actually damage you even if it's a wonderful biblical truthful knowledge about the love of God and I, that's the main thing that I want to talk to you about today so one reason is a mixed message and we've talked about it and the good thing that we hope hopefully we're not preaching you the mixed message yet there's another hindrance more subtle more subjective and more of your personal issue not a theological things not a messages that you listen to not a uh i'll try to to explain it to you right now it's not easy but it's it's possible here's the issue you hear the messages about the love of god and you try to apply it and you actually apply it wrong because you apply it not to your true self but to a pretend self that you have I hope I'm not shocking you but I'm telling you something I hope if you are more than 30 years old you know that you have a pretend self I do have a pretend self Neil has a pretend self MJ you have a pretend self and every time you try to apply this wonderful truth of the gospel to this pretend self it's not gonna work it's not going to work We have a version of ourselves that is not fully authentic sincere and genuine well that's how society works right very early in life we begin to develop a social acceptable self well if you you're lucky if you had a good family if you had a loving father and a loving mother and you've been exposed to unconditional love early in your childhood unfortunately that's not the story of all of us but if it's your story I'm very glad for you that's wonderful yet very shortly after that you begin to learn about smiles and frowns you know likes and dislikes approval and disapproval and as you grow and those things can be sometimes gentle sometimes they can be hard and by the time you're I don't know how many and different people develop in different ways but you learn to develop this version of you that is more acceptable by others that is more likable at least tolerable and you never stop learning this skill of developing this self different this better version of you to 
more presentable. And the problem begins when you grow to the point when you begin fully identify with this version of you. And you try to bring it to God. Like it's you. But it's not you. It's not you. It's good for building society. But the problem is, as we learn this art of becoming acceptable, likable, we begin to identify ourselves with this better version. I've already said that. This is an artificially created version of you, made to be liked, accepted, and endorsed by others. It's a version of self designed to match conscious and unconscious expectations. But this is not you. This is a pretend self. This is a self of your own making. And that's the self that you're trying to improve when you apply self-improvement principles to yourself. That's not a genuine, true self. You have this half-baked version of you and you're trying to bake it further. You're trying to polish it. You're trying to make it more presentable. And then the problem is you get confused at a certain point. And you think it's you, but this you is nice sometimes. And when it's nice, you congratulate yourself. You like yourself. You, you kind of, you know, you're happy about yourself. And you begin to be infatuated with yourself. You begin to believe your own Facebook post about yourself. That's crap. I have a license to say this word in the church. Neil signed it. <laughs> hey. This is pretend. You know, years ago... There was, a, maybe it's still there, there was a lady or a little company, they were producing these baby dolls that look so realistic that you can look at it like a few feet away from your eyes and you would think it's a real baby. Have you heard of those? Have you seen those? I've seen commercials. They're spooky. I, I've heard like, uh, I've heard that some, there were a lot of cases when actually police officers broke into broke into cars, crushing the window, trying to rescue the baby, finding that was a stupid doll. It was so realistic. So if you're good in creating this pretend self, you'll create a very believable, realistic version of yourself. So believable that you yourself will start believing it. But it doesn't breathe. And you would think any woman would be crazy who would try to nurture and nurse this kind of a doll. Mother-daughter relationship is not going to happen between this thing and a mother. God is not going to pour out His love upon the mannequin you create of yourself. God is fully ready, longing, and full of desire to pour out His love in His Son, Jesus Christ, upon you. Upon you, real you. And my key word for today's message is vulnerability, transparency. Neil said, you know, the word he got from the Lord is intimacy. Intimacy is not possible without vulnerability and transparency. And don't take me wrong, I'm not encouraging you to immediately just start wearing your heart on your sleeve and open up your heart to every person you meet. No, don't be stupid. You'll get hurt. But with God, don't, don't do that. Open up your heart. Learn to be naked self. 
And here's the paradox, paradoxical way to begin to experience the love of God deeply in a profound way that would start changing us from within that I described earlier. You need to accept your true self. And your true self is, is, has issues. Your true self has issues. Your true self has flaws and sins and destructive patterns of behavior. It has all kinds of mess. But it's you. I, I want to reiterate what Neil said last time. He was so excited. He said, that like, this, uh, he did such a good job. You can listen to his message again. He said, you can't wait. You can't tell God, God, just wait. I will come and fully embrace your embrace. I will come and fully embrace your love when I clean up my act, when I become little better, when I just overcome this little habit or big habit of mine, when I overcome this addiction, when I st stop. It's you, dude. I know. You, you are God's creation. You have beautiful things about you related to the image of God. I know some of you can take a bullet for your family. But the same you would hurt your wife on a regular basis or your children. You lose your temper and you say something you would feel sorry about later. And it creates wounds in them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited about the move that is about to take place in my life. When I would move into a full-time ministry again. But I'm, at the same time, I'm... I'm apprehensive about it because I know me I can be very loving and caring one day and the next day I may I can be a total jerk and I'm afraid I might hurt some of you because you believe me you trust me you open up to me you listen to my messages but listen to that if I would start creating this new version of me just for the church I'll hurt me and I'll hurt you you have to learn to love me the way I am. I have to learn to love you the way you are. Because that's how God loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't like, He doesn't love those mannequins. He loves real people with issues. You are a child of God. We still try to pull it off. We still try to build this better version of ourselves. It keeps crumbling down and we keep trying to put it together. It keeps crumbling down. Not only it is pointless, that's the main hindrance for you that I was talking about. This pretend self can never be transformed because it is never willing to simply receive God's love unconditionally in vulnerability. Actually, when this pretend self hears about God's love, it becomes stronger. The kingdom of our ego becomes stronger and the reality of God's presence becomes meager. We need to discard this mannequin in God's presence. Once again, I'll say it again. The paradox is that in order to be transformed, you first need to acknowledge and accept your real self just as you are. And agree to allow God to love you just the way you are. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. <sighs> I've already said that. We hide things from people. We have our guard on most of the time. 
We're afraid to be genuine and sincere, and understandably so. We're afraid to be known, to be fully known. You know, Neil and I, we have real friendship going on for how many years? I know, for now, about seven years. So, my dynamics of my relationship with Neil and Neil's with mine, seven years ago and now is very different. Right, Neil? But even today, sometimes I would still be afraid to fully open up to him. Because I'm afraid to be fully known by him. I'm afraid maybe he can go that much, but if he goes that much, he'll finally see something about me that he won't be able to take no longer. And he'll say, whoa, that's too much, Dennis. He's probably have the same fears about me. So there's still more. But not with God. You start naked. You just take off everything and you jump into his embrace. Because Jesus was totally naked. That was the highest form of public shame and humiliation done in the ancient world. To strip somebody naked. To lash him with those horrible things. With those whips. And put him on a cross. And that's what he did so that we would have none of that with God. No shame. No fear. In fact, this pretend fake self has been put on the cross. So sometimes you might hear some words that might get you. sound good and great for tweet, tweet, tweeting them. But, but like not really can really mislead you like God loves you but hates your sin well I don't know I know he loves you with everything you've got in you if it's a sin he loves you well Dennis you mess up our theology I know the cross messed up a lot of people's theology I know well anyway I'm not going to take you there but yeah I, I can get say enough things to get you confused you see, the, tr the true self cannot be transformed. Your true self can only be grown. Naturally, organically. And there's only one nutrient that will facilitate this growth. God's unconditional love. So unless you learn to receive God's unconditional love unconditionally, just the way you are with all your crap. Again, I have a license to say this word in the church. You're not going to grow. You're not going to change. You're not going to experience the reality of God in your life. That's so, so I know it's so much fun when you worship like we did today, when your heart is singing to the Lord and you feel so spiritual at the end of the day. But it's a whole new story when you're like on Wednesday. And you have a conflict in your family or in your workplace. And you feel like a miserable failure. But you are so known by God and so loved by God in that moment. And you just need to turn your heart to this fact of love and acceptance in spite of full knowledge. In conclusion, I want to show you how this love how this whole thing looks practically. Two passages that will help us to see it. First passage is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. I'm going to read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
You don't try to create a new creation. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ, listen to the tense that is used, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of what? Condemnation? No. Reconciliation. That is an explanation what this ministry is. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He did that, not you. How did he do that? Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see what God is not doing? He is not counting people's trespasses against them. And you know what it means? That means you should stop counting your trespasses against yourself. It sounds so strange and foreign, but that's the gospel. You should get on the same page with God who is not counting your trespasses against you. You don't identify yourself anymore with those trespasses, with those sins, with those flaws, with those shortcomings, with the handicaps, with all of that mess. You don't try to hide that mess. I heard some people pray for their, before they eat, God bless this mess. God has blessed this mess. In the middle of this mess, there is someone that he really loves. And he takes you as a whole package. That's the core of the ministry of the New Testament. Not to count people, their transgressions. But give them the word of reconciliation with God the Father. John 20, 19-23. This is the last passage for today. That's right after the resurrection of Jesus. And this is found only in the Gospel of John, I believe. Here's Jesus appearing to his disciples. Beginning from verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of Jews, so the, all of their excitement that they had when they saw Jesus transformed on the mountain of transfiguration, or when they saw the miracles, it's all gone now. No excitement. Fear. Doors locked, trembling. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he has said that, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his, the disciples were glad. All of a sudden they're glad again. They saw the Lord. And here's what Jesus told them. Peace be with you. Not just when I appear like that. Peace be with you all the time. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I'm sending you. Peace be with you. I'm just like the Father has sent me with this amazing peace <laughs> and son of sonship. I'm sending you. And when he has said that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Eastern Orthodox Church and Catholic Church, they turned it into a teaching of a sacrament of confession of sins and remission of sins by the priest. That's 
Third time I'm using crap and I'm exhausted my quota for today. It's crap. It's not about the priesthood of Catholic Church. or It's about you and me. You have the word of reconciliation. You have this peace. You have the, whew, the spirit of God to tell people that their sins are not counted against them any longer. That the Father is ready to embrace them. This world is full of messages pointing to people's shortcomings, putting guilt on people. That's not the gospel. The problem is I, that makes me hurt that Christians who are called to this do the opposite. They do exactly what the world does, but they do it on steroids. They do it in the name of God. That's a big fat lie. God doesn't count people's sins any longer because of this hug on the cross. And He's given us the word of reconciliation. And you breathe the Holy Spirit upon us so that we would experience that. And we would bring this experience to others. That's the power of the gospel. I'm finishing. I'm finishing. Trust me. You know, I have three children, three daughters. Two of them are already grown-ups, and they moved out and lived. And I remember when they were little, and they're, when, when, when they're little, it's easy to love them because they're cute. <laughs> but then the teenage years came, and it's not easy. And then... My, my, my youngest one was born when I was already here in the States. And she totally melted my heart. And like she wrapped me around her little finger. And I was like, <laughs> And I, I, I kid you not, I literally, for a couple of years, I literally could not hold myself from smiling every single time I would think of her. That's a very pale reflection of how God feels about you. But at the same time, I had teenage girls that we were in a constant state of like Cold War that breaking into the... But then this little one reminded me all of a sudden of how that big one was when she was little one. And it's like a scale fell off my eyes and I began to see that little girl in hers. It's still there. The same thing about you. There's a true self that is not the subtotal of your life experiences, good or bad. That is not the subtotal of your decisions, good or bad. That is not, that is not that. That true self is the little cutest child of God conceived before this world was created in the heart of the Father in the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it made him smile when he saw you, even before you were born. And he knows you so fully and completely. He knew you the moment he conceived you in his heart. Eons before you were born. He knows you perfectly, completely, fully. Your past, your present 
and your future with all your masses. And he says, I love you. And I send my son for you to come to know my love. Please embrace it today. Please begin to live in this embrace. And please begin to give this embrace to Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.